Hi, this is Arnav. Welcome to the channel. Today I have Nash with me. Nash is the CEO of Pyrofix, which builds high-performance distributed development tools. And today we are going to talk to him more about his project and other projects and uh, uh, products that he's building. So, hi Nash, how are you? Hi Arnav, thanks for having me. Awesome, awesome. So, can you give a brief background and uh, how did you actually get into the crypto space and start with Pyrofix? Yeah, uh, so my co-founder, Dr. Mike Stay, and I started Pyrofix in 2016. Um, we both had a, a fair amount of experience in the information security space. Had done a little bit of work in cryptography, uh, you know, up to that point. Um, we'd spent a number of years working at Google, and uh, we're interested in building development tools for large-scale distributed systems. About a year later, uh, we were contacted by Greg Meredith and he asked us to help him develop our chain, which needed a new programming language for expressing smart contracts in a way that would allow developers to write smart contracts that were reliable and provably correct. And we thought that this fit our skill set nicely and that uh, uh, it would be a fun project. And so we, we jumped into the crypto space at that point. Um, but honestly, we feel a little bit like Johnny come lately so we haven't been in it for all that long. Uh, we know a lot about cryptography, but we're, we're sort of learning blockchain um, and uh, having a lot of fun doing it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So uh, you're, you basically started out with Pyrofix as like uh, as the first project. So this is sort of like your first product in the crypto space? Yeah, our chain is, uh, our, chain is our first project in the blockchain space. Mike and I have both done a number of projects in, you know, in cryptography. So I guess... I'm an old okay. hand and I've got gray in my beard. So you say crypto and I, I think, you know, hashing algorithms and encryption and public key type stuff. And, mm -hmm. um, but in the, in the blockchain space, yeah, our chain is our first project. Um, we're very excited to, to have the opportunity to work on it. And it's been a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So can you explain like, what is the overall vision of Pyrofix and what are you trying to build? So we started Pyrofix because we think that there's a lot of, uh, applied mathematics that can lead to better programming tools for developers mm -hmm. that we think in particular things like uh, advances in things like type theory uh, and um, in, in um, the ability to do automated uh, proof checking or automated theorem proving will allow developers to write code that's more correct and can run at scale more easily and faster. Mm -hmm. and we wanted to build the tools to help developers do that, right? We, we saw both the cloud and then eventually the blockchain coming along. These are both large-scale decentralized technologies for writing computer programs. And we felt like developers just didn't have the tools in place that they needed to do the kinds of jobs that they wanted to get done. So Pyrofix is here to sort of give devs the things that they need in order to, to write code at scale and to write it well and, and to make their projects successful. So, uh, like you are targeting in general blockchain developers, like uh, say for developers building on top of Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Archain. Is that it? Yeah, a number of our tools right now are very focused on on the blockchain. Uh, we have a an integrated development environment or an IDE that we're developing called CryptoFX. It'll have integrated support for testing and deploying smart contracts on the blockchain. Uh, we're building a uh, a tool that you can download and run um, to, to handle payments. That'll, that is for blockchain integration with websites and other uh, merchant uh, uh, merchant solutions online. That's called NumaFX. 
we obviously are working very closely with our chain and we have a couple of other blockchain pro platform projects that we're involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, but the company, when we started out, we were thinking much more along the lines of cloud software. And so um, one of our older projects is called Pirate and it's oriented around making it easier for people to write software in the cloud, regardless of whether they're using the blockchain or not. Okay. Okay. So uh, you started talking about your projects. Um, can we go in uh, like depth of them? Like uh, you have Numifix, you have Archain, uh, you're working with Archain, you have PYR8, Cryptofix and Rolang. These were the ones that I had like seen on your website. So can you explain yeah. like, uh, like how, why have you chosen these projects and like what, what do they exactly do? Well, Cryptofix is the one that's probably most advanced of, of all of them, and it's going to likely to release in the MVP form in the next couple of months. Uh, it's an integrated development environment. It allows developers to, you know, it's similar to um, Xcode on, on Apple or Visual Studio for Microsoft platforms. The goal is to um, build an integrated development environment that takes advantage of the blockchain to allow developers to write D apps uh, for whether it's Ethereum or Archain or EOS or whatever platform it is. We want to make it easy to write them, test them, manage them in production, right? This is one of the, one of the things that we haven't yet really started talking about in the crypto space is that in real production environments, you have to have upgrades, you need migrations, you need the ability to make changes to your software over time so that you can add features and that you can support different user use cases. We don't really have any of that stuff in the current toolkits. Uh, we're hoping that we can use Cryptofx to help drive the development of, of uh, features like that within the development tool space for, for blockchain. Uh, and in particular, because um, we want to help find a way to use the blockchain for developers to directly monetize their software. So Cryptofx will eventually, it won't release with this feature, but eventually we're going to add an app store that will allow you to take your open source code um, off GitHub or whatever repo you're using and, and then monetize it directly through the IDE so that you can, you know, transact with other developers who are interested in using your code as part of their project. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we think that the potential of the blockchain to help financialize the, inter, you know, the interactions and the sharing of code is, is exciting because it'll allow developers to you know earn a living directly writing code that their peers consume uh, rather than having to do it in a corporate setting for example mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so uh, like it ha it will have support for say ethereum uses solidity um and hyperledger uses like some other language or eos will use some other language so it will have support for like all these languages how how, how does that architecture look like yeah, initially we're going to launch with like syntax highlighting and formatting support for Solidity and for Rolang, which is the smart contracting language we've developed for the R-Chain project. Mm -hmm. uh, in the long run, I think we're, we're intending to support all the major blockchain languages. Um, mm -hmm. Exactly what order they come along in, I'm not quite sure. Uh, we'll have to see um, which projects get traction and which ones you know, have less traction. Uh, and then, of course, you know, it needs to be useful in general as an IDE for writing all kinds of code. I don't think that there's ever going to be a time when dApps don't involve legacy languages. So every dApp project is going to be some portion JavaScript, some portion Python, some portion Solidity, or maybe it'll be, you know, 
some portion Rust and then some portion Rolang, depending upon what your developer's mm -hmm. priorities are. Mm -hmm. And so we intend to support the full family of, of commonly used languages in order to allow devs to use the tools that they want. Obviously, it's an MVP for now. Uh, we're very tightly integrated with our chain and we wanted to specifically build some tools that would help people onboard onto that platform. So that's our focus initially is our chain and Ethereum, uh, but we'll be adding additional languages and platforms over time. <laughs> and like it will have features like say, so if one wants to deploy an application to blockchain, um, it will have such features as well. Like from within the IDE, like you don't need to use Truffle or something like that. Uh, will, it have, will it have features like that as well? Yeah, that's right. I think at the moment, um, and I'd have to check with my guys to be sure exactly how they're doing it this week because it changes from week to week. Um, right. But I think at the moment it integrates with Truffle. And so, you know, it knows how to drive uh, environments like that in order to do deployments or test, set up test environments and then run your smart contracts on them. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it, it, it'll do it all for you. So it greatly simplifies the process of bringing all the tools onto your system and getting them ready to go and, and then making the deployments happen. Mm -hmm. And then obviously, you know, we have the vision of, of ultimately, you know, building an app store in and then offering tools through the app store that will allow you to help manage versioning and migrations and, you know, mm -hmm. packages and all this other kind of stuff that's coming down the pipe. Okay, got it, got it. Um, and so now I like want I want to talk about like Archin specifically. So Archin okay. is like you want you are involved with Archin like uh, most heavily. So can you talk about like what's the status there um, of your inv involvement and for the whole Archin platform in general? Like when is it going to be on mainnet and how is the development uh, happening? Yeah. So. Uh, we currently represent the majority of the developers on the core dev team. I think we have um, a little bit less than two dozen developers and project managers and other ancillary support staff that are working on, on our chain full time. Uh, we are uh, we're preparing to launch testnet. We have a conference in Berlin, uh, the fourth and fifth. I'm sorry, maybe it's the 5th and 6th. It's, okay. Um, the 5th and 6th of September. So mm -hmm. the testnet will launch on the 5th and 6th of September. Okay. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, it's a brand new platform. So obviously we've got a lot to, you know, a lot to learn about um, how it behaves and everything. You always learn things about the software that you've written, you know, when you run it uh, at scale for the first time. Mm -hmm. So we're hopeful that based on our results that we're going to be able to launch the, the main network at the end of the year um, in late Q4. So that would that's called the Mercury release. Um, our releases are named after the planets. So, you know, we're, we're our plan at the moment is to launch Mercury in December for Venus to follow sometime late next year, and um, and then to have a you know several more releases after that, and of course beyond that, it's sort of up to the community to decide what what needs to happen next. Um, but that's that's the current state of things. Uh, personally, I think that the project looks pretty good. Um, you know, one of the things that we've uh, put a lot of time and energy into is uh, making the software that we run uh, manageable in production. So we have a lot of production engineering features like built-in um, Prometheus support so you can monitor your nodes when you 
you're running a validator and you want to understand exactly how your node is performing, it's really easy to hook Prometheus up to your um, to your cluster of nodes and see how everything is is running and CPU and RAM utilization and traffic and all those kind of statistics. And we did that because we felt like one of the things that was really missing from the blockchain space, you know, was a lot of built-in instrumentation and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, Rolang has come along really well. Uh, you know, we we've been writing a lot of the system itself in the programming language Rolang. So large amounts of, um, of the infrastructure are built in that. In fact, uh, we just wrote most of the sharding architecture and the cross shard transactions uh, were written last week or two. And that was done almost entirely in Rolang. Uh, so we're beginning to see how the language features that we designed over the last year and a half shake out in practice. And we're getting an idea for what needs to be added to make it really useful and easy for people to interact with in, um, in the future. Gordon, Gordon. So uh, can you like talk more about Rolang um, and like what are some features that, so like in a Solidity, uh, obviously Solidity is, is not liked by developers and there are reasons for that. And in general as like, as well, like we have like languages like Scylla that Zelika is developing and like K framework and all these other uh, interesting projects that people are doing to like uh, check for uh, errors or bugs in smart contract code because like once the code is deployed uh, you can't change it so like how are you approaching the development of Rolang itself yeah well first of all as an aside you should we need tools that allow us to change smart contract code so that this isn't such a problem right mm -hmm. um, but in Rolang, um, we're also trying to handle from the other side, which is that we would like to prevent as many of the bugs as we possibly can. So Rolang um, has, uh, as a general design, Rolang is based on a model of computation called the Rho calculus, which is an extension of Robin Milner's Pi calculus. Mm -hmm. uh, most people are familiar with uh, virtual machines and processors uh, that fall into a classification called von Neumann machines. These are machines with instruction sets that are like add, subtract, and then register machines with access to RAM, right? Uh, the Pi calculus doesn't do computation that way. Pi calculus performs computation by passing messages between what are called processes. That's where you do little bits of computation, but then most of the computations performed by passing messages back and forth. Um, the row calculus is an extension of this to make it reflective and higher order. And uh, that turns out to make reasoning about the concurrency and the um, uh, whether or not two computations could possibly affect each other much more straightforward. And so one of the things that the row calculus allows us to do is it allows us to inspect blocks and tell whether there are transactions in two different blocks that could ever possibly interact or not. And in general, the answer is no, there probably won't be transactions in either block that affect each other. And so it doesn't matter, like you can put them in this order or the other order, don't care which order you commit them to the blockchain because they just, they go in without affecting each other. And that allows our chain to have uh, a, a consensus mechanism that focuses on selecting which blocks get in um, and do, while doing much less work to have to sort out conflicting transactions. Ethereum, on the other hand, still, even within its charge, there's still this notion of having a global order of transactions. So you have to sequence everything, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 
um, in in Rolang, that's not that's not really necessary. And so, you know, we believe that that's going to make it a lot easier to build consensus mechanisms for Rolang-based uh, uh, virtual machines. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, um, and where do you see like with the, we have so many other blockchain platforms and. Uh, the real use case of Ethereum that has come out is mostly tokenization and ICOs. Uh, we, we have seen some projects, but uh, it's only just uh, people have raised money, but no one has built like a, a an application which a normal person is using or has reached a, a quite a lot of scale. So yeah. where, where do you see well, that? They said, this, they said this about the web too, right? Like in, in the, in the dot-com bubble, you know, uh, the, uh, around the year 2000, one of the biggest complaints about the web was that uh, none of the applications were successful. Nobody was really using it. You know, how could, nobody's going to be willing to listen. I cannot tell you how many times some business guy looked across the table for me and assured me that no one was going to be willing to put their credit card into a website and buy products online. Yeah. They were definitely not going to do that. They certainly weren't going to buy everything online. Right? And yeah. now today we have Amazon, right? Or Alibaba or whatever. <laughs> um, every major new disruptive technology goes through a phase like this where the people that are adopting it are visionaries. They're way ahead of the curve. They, <laughs> they see potential. They don't know exactly what that potential means yet, but they're willing to try a zillion different things to make something work. And, <laughs> and uh, uh, they're excited about it. And so you get these, you know, you get these, bumps of enthusiasm when a new technology comes along, you know, followed by a, um, you know, what the valley of disillusionment, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's where we are right now. I think the future of blockchain is that from here, what we're going to see is we're going to see, you know, a steady cadence technology coming out that is improvements on what's already gone before. So we're going to get, we're going to get faster blockchains. We're going to get sharded blockchains that scale well. We're mm -hmm. going to get blockchains that make it easier to upgrade smart contracts, to make them, uh, to, to, to reduce the number of bugs that are in them, reduce the severity of the bugs one, you know, that do get in. We're gonna get blockchains that focus more on programming, on storage, on different features and functionality that are related to computation in the cloud. Um, and then we're gonna get people developing applications on top of those. Most of these applications are probably gonna have financial components because financialization of software is what the blockchain sort of natively does best. Mm -hmm. uh, but there are a lot of places where financialization is incredibly difficult right now. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have access to payment processors, if you don't have access to the first world economy, if you don't have access to, um, uh, to, to you know, the derivatives, trading markets and that kind of thing, you, it doesn't matter how great your idea is, it doesn't matter how great your application is, you're not getting off the ground, right? Yeah. So, I think that we're going to see a lot of applications develop like that. I think eventually we're going to have some that are, that are great and lots of users want to use that'll drive a ton of traffic and, uh, and we'll see steady growth in the blockchain industry over the next decade or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, like I was trying to address this issue more from like a Bitcoin maximalistic uh, point of view, like mm -hmm. that we have like people who say that you can build everything on Bitcoin. Like uh, if lightning comes around um, and like, dApps like blockchains in general don't make sense like you can use an amazon server so do you see like we you 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 see like we'll have applications like say a decentralized twitter or um like something like that that will reach 
the scale of other web applications uh like a decentralized application using the uh, scale of like a centralized uh, web application i think so i i i don't think it would be surprising to me if bitcoin maximalism was could be, was correct right because it's rarely the case in technology that the guy who gets uh gets their first wins in the long run right mm -hmm. and that's just because it's so hard it's just incredibly difficult to get everything right the first time you try it. Uh, it's usually the second or third or sometimes even the fourth major player that gets into a market that ends up being dominant. So, for example, you know, Facebook was not the first major social network. We had Friendster, we had um, MySpace and, you know, a, a handful of other technologies before that, all of which had giant user bases of their own, right? Um, Twitter was certainly not the first, you know, um, the first sort of short message chat service on the internet, right? We, for years, AOL Instant Messenger dominated this space. Mm -hmm. The use case of AOL Instant Messenger and Twitter are not that different. So, um, so as far as Bitcoin maximalism goes, my guess is that's not likely to be, that's not likely to be the case. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can make but, the argument that it contains yeah. all the features that you could need, but I just don't see it. Yeah, the like the uh, one thing that is different is like uh, all the development is open source, um, and it does matter like how big of a developer community you have to drive like the change in the software. So like for Bitcoin, I see a lot of like core developers have stayed with time. Um, like in Ethereum, most of the developers that are coming in are not actually core developers. They are like sort of like JavaScript developers or application developers who are learning. Uh, for solidity um, mm -hmm. so like do you see that would it be the same as web uh, does that analogy extend or is it isn't it like like developers who are say um, if with Bitcoin will eventually grow it faster than other pl platform and this question is uh, asked from like an archain point of view as well like uh, do you feel like how will you get the developer community and like compete with other uh, crypto platforms? Yeah, I, I think that the way you compete in this aspect is that you build something that works that people mm -hmm. want to use. Yeah. And and then once you do that, people will, you know, people will tend to be to be willing to try it. Developers like to experiment. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, if if how many developers you had at some particular point in time versus the next project that was coming along you know, mm -hmm. was that big of a deal, then, then FreeBSD would be beating Linux. And yeah. it's not, right? <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's like Bitcoin has a bigger community today because it's been around longer. It's, it's mm -hmm. currently more legitimate. Um, people who want a legitimate financial investment, you know, should go to Bitcoin, right? Because you can trade it for currency. You can trade it for all the alts. Like it's the central party in the market. Do I think that's going to be the case in five years? No, I think it needs, it'll be replaced by something that looks, you know, a lot like our chain, um, mm -hmm. something that's smart contract oriented, something that's incredibly high performance, something that is completely open source and, you know, governed, not just open source, uh, you know, because the codes checked into GitHub, but open source in the sense that the governance of the protocol is performed in an open, uh, in an open and community-driven way, and I think, you know, our chains, the cooperative as an organizational governance mechanism is a really creative approach 
to solving the problem that has caused so many Bitcoin forks and disagreements between those dev teams, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if Bitcoin could figure it out before, you know, before our platform is ready, maybe, maybe they can still win, but we're trying really hard to come up with something competitive that we think developers will be really excited to use. Mm-hmm. And like, what sort of applications do you see developers will build on top of our chain? Uh, well, uh, the Archain Cooperative funded a couple of venture capital firms in the last year, and between them, they've gone out and raised, um, they've gone out and funded something like 30 startups at this point. And so we've got applications from music to accounting to um, uh, like unique asset providence. Um, there are a wide variety. There's an insurance play that I personally I think is a really great idea. Uh, there are a wide variety of of interesting ideas that are that are showing up in these in these startup founders, uh, and they 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 cross the spectrum. Uh, you know, I think that it has a lot to do. At the end of the day, um, kinds of applications that succeed have a lot to do with what kinds of teams execute effectively. Um, and so we may not know for several years now what the what you know the the biggest markets in blockchain really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and it may be that, you know, accounting software is a really, or supply chain management, it may be that it's social media, right? There's a, there's a big crowd of people at the moment who are frustrated, decentralization of media and advertising technologies and the way that that's sort of taken the people's voice and given it to corporate, uh, you know, global corporations. And they're very interested in, in using the blockchain to, Redemocratize, you know, our our conversation on the internet. I think that's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, got it, got it. So, uh, like, what's your roadmap with Pyrofix, and uh, like, what's your business model in general? Uh, like, do you, <laughs> yeah, like, are you open for like new projects, or are you like really focused with our chain? Well, we are very focused on our chain. The bulk of our devs currently are working on that. Um, we have a number of different projects going on. Um, the The business model is that we we like projects that have applied mathematics in them. So we're looking for projects where you know Mike and I have uh, both got backgrounds in mathematics. Uh, we like projects where we can you know hire people that are similar to us uh, that want to think hard about how to apply math to computer science problems in the real world. And that we can engineer solutions that are unique and, and exciting, whether that's from you know programming language development and tooling around programming to you know payment platforms to um, you know web servers. Like we're pretty open-minded, uh, and we like to try different things. So um, we hope to you know come out in the market and have a diverse set of products that appeal to a wide range of people in the market space, and we'll see which ones are most popular and which ones. You know, people like to work on and we'll go from there mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay so you are open basically uh for other <laughs> we try to be okay awesome awesome yeah um and so like how do you want to share like how can people get involved and are you like i think you are hiring as well for new positions so can yeah. you share details about that constantly hiring um you, if you if you're interested in working for us you can email your resume to jobs at pyrofx.net Mm-hmm. Or you can go to our website, https colon slash slash pyrofx.net, and you can check us out. And then uh, there's a careers page you can 
smash some buttons and you can send us an email that way too. So either of those work out great. We'd love to hear from people. Um, you know, we're a global company. We've got, um, got a guy in Omsk, Russia. We've got uh, people on the West coast of the United States and everywhere in between. Um, and so we're, you know, we'd love to hear from anybody that's interested in working with us. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Uh, thanks a lot, Nash, for taking the time out. It was great chatting with you and I wish you best of luck for uh, Pyrofix and the development you're doing with Archin as well. Thanks a bunch. I really appreciate your having me. Awesome. Awesome.